Righty, uh, welcome. So for those of you that got tickets, uh, not aware of what they are for, we are at the end of the session giving out an Xbox One. It's not the Halo edition, but it does have the Halo 1 to 5 pack. So everyone having a good show? Uh, these crowds kind of remind me of the week my wife and I unwisely brought the children to Disneyland the week before Christmas and New Year's. So anyway, say, anyway, say not good. Uh, so just letting you know that the, not only was this session uh, full, there was over 100 people on the wait list. So I'm not saying it's guaranteed, but there's a chance someone may eventually show up to, to grab one of the empty seats. All right, so with that, uh, let's get started. I'd like to introduce myself. My name is John Fox. I lead technical product management at Commvault for our cloud business unit. So that includes all of the things we're at the show to learn about, everything great AWS does, but as well as some of the competitors, such as Azure, as well as your on-premise hypervisors, uh, VMware, Rev, uh, Citrix, Zen, Hyper-V, so on and so forth. Uh, so today, yeah, we're going to uh, be talking reinventing disaster recovery and how, with the power of AWS and Commvault, um, we can make that easier than ever before. I'm also honored and pleased that I have a guest speaker here today, Sharon Nandi. He is the head of infrastructure and cloud at Dow Jones News Corp. So he's going to share his experience as they made their uh, massive initial move and push in AWS and how Commvault helped along the way. So, quick run through on the agenda. Uh, what are you looking for in cloud? Uh, seems pretty simplistic, but hundreds, if not thousands, of customers I've spoken to, everyone's story is a little bit different in some way. Uh, we're going to look at some key considerations for DR to the cloud. Simply put, what you have here doesn't exist there. Uh, we then are going to look at the initial protection. You know, in order to put that in the cloud, I first need to protect it, and we're going to look at the various options of getting that data to the cloud. Uh, how much do you have, and how long do you have to get it there? And then, of course, the key focus here is disaster time. Uh, aliens attack my data center. They've destroyed it. I'm not getting it back. I need to pull that trigger to bring all those workloads live in AWS. And then we have to consider that the second we have a DR event and we bring those workloads live, they need to be treated with the same SLAs that they were receiving on-premise. So we'll look at all of the various uh, protection options in the cloud. This especially is going to tie into some of the offerings in cloud that simply can't or don't exist on-premise. Um, then I'm going to hand it over to Sean. Um, we'll take a look at his case studies and just a few closing notes and key takeaways. All right. So we at Commvault uh, did uh, polled a lot of our customers that were looking to do DR to the cloud. And part of this was not only the why, but what were the biggest challenges we helped them solve. So in a nutshell, they were looking for cost-effective disaster recovery. So I'm just going to ask a few questions here. Who has a data center that has a secondary DR data center that has 100% parity with the original data center? Yeah, it's a handful. Only the very select um, have that scenario. More typically, you probably do have a DR data center, but it can only host your Tier 1 and some of your Tier 2 workloads. Who has that setup. 
and, and that's a fair part of the room. And there are others who have absolutely no real DR plan beyond pilot tapes. Maybe they have a managed uh, DR service provider where they only get the right to wait in line. So the, the beauty of AWS is that not only can they do these things at a tiny fraction of the cost, they have a, you know, a, a better offering than what they would have had prior, especially with those uh, DR service providers. So running down the list here, uh, storage infrastructure cost. Um, I need more storage. Um, you know what? I'm probably just going to reclaim some of the, my existing storage, put it in the cloud, and I free it up. Or I'm not even going to keep any more new workloads on apprentice. It's also a lot of that elasticity. I need more storage. Well, at best, it's going to take you a few weeks to get that storage. With the cloud and a credit card and trying to explain to your manager the charge, you can have storage in minutes. The last is data security concerns. So this one can be a bit confusing, because if anything, that's a blocker to the cloud. But you know, with the power, AWS is very robust in its security. The US government has a sizable footprint in the AWS GovCloud in the multi-petabyte range. Uh, so when I say uh, data security concerns, it's that we're dealing with tech that folks on site, they're gurus, they're experts. But this whole new way of doing things in AWS, there's a bit of a, a learning curve. So it's using the power of AWS, um, convol, you know, along for the ride, that not only uh, will your data be as secure as it was on-premise, but more likely it will be more secure if done right. And then again, agility, self-explanatory. Um, I need to scale down, I can scale up, uh, I can do it at a few clicks. And then, I gotta keep remembering I have this here. And then lastly is, I've gone greenfield in the cloud, or I've migrated to the cloud, I need to protect those workloads. Very scary story there, large uh, pharmaceutical chain, or drugstore chain, probably one of you stopped in to maybe pick up toothpaste, they put uh, production data up in Microsoft Azure. And then they came knocking and said, hmm, you know, but, uh, we probably should have thought about how to protect that. So we'll, we'll be addressing that as well. Okay, so again, into the key considerations. So a lot of this is common sense, but it can be a very complicated uh, soup, if you will, that you need to consider. You know, multiple sources are interrelated. Applications span multiple workloads. Could be for physical or vir virtual. We have different virtual platforms, VMware, we have Hyper-V, we have physical servers, I have Linux, I have Windows, I have Oracle. You, you, you get the idea. There are tons of var variables that I need to take those and somehow seamlessly transform those and put them into the AWS. Productionized dynamic. Uh, you have a 100% functioning DR plan today. Uh, the second something changes is added the DR plan breaks. So the point I'm trying to make here is you need a plan that is dynamic. And what I mean by that is that on the source side, we are scanning for changes, automatically detecting new instances or excluding them, applying them to the SLA, and automatically adding them to the DR plan on the far side in the AWS cloud. And then uh, it's a full or partial DR. I've got live my secondary data center, and I'm doing those tier one and, uh, excuse me, tier two and two, three, tier three workloads. And then, of course, it's all prioritization. If, even if I can do this great conversion stuff, I need an automated way to say, bring up my core, my tier one, once that's done, validate check, go to tier two, validate check, so on and so forth. And show, uh, <laughs> I love this one, should work versus knowing it will work. 
who here has had several, let me put it this way, back in my admin days, every time we went to SunGuard to initiate our DR plan, it failed. It failed, it failed, it failed. And we would just look around and basically be like, you know what, let's just tell everybody it worked. Um, so who regularly has successful DR plans or DR tests? It's not many, but it's a decent number. All right, lastly, a new way of DR testing. Spot key test, uh, test excuse me, um, spot test applications. It doesn't have to be a yearly or twice a year event. You can just do a failover a specific application set. Okay, so it may be simple, but let's look at getting data to the cloud. Um, so a bit of the Commvault plug. We write actively to over 40 uh, storage providers, of course, S3, S3IA, and Glacier, as well as Snowball support. The key bit about cloud connectivity from on-prem to the cloud is that if you have a 10-gig connection, you are on the Autobahn. So you need to only have to go through the pain of moving that data in its entirety only once. So that's where we look at the power of deduplication. I know what's up there, and if I have something new, I either discard it or I throw it up there. The second piece is effectively managing that storage up there. As bits age off, we will go into those buckets and prune out that data. Last piece um, I'll throw it out there is, you know, object storage is a bit different than what you use on-prem. And what I mean by that is we may have block storage, we may have file storage, but uh, object storage scales differently. So, you know, in terms of tuning, performance, concurrency is, is king. There's many streams or writers that you can pound against that object-based storage. So this here is fairly simple math. How fast is my connection? How much do I need to move? I can figure out how long it takes me to get there. Um, we have had instances of customers. It could be something as simple as, I hate my DR service provider so much, I want out today. Or it is, our lease is coming up in two months for that data center, we're not gonna renew it and we need to be out and we cannot get it out over the wire. So that's where drive shipping comes into play. So most major vendors support this. Uh, however, I, you know, my hat's off to Amazon because they made it as simple as possible. You know, pick it up, Snowball, on the way. You know, we're only going to charge a rent for a certain amount of day. Um, I know they made some new announcements with Snowball integration uh, this morning, but simply it's an armored case if you're not familiar with it. Ships to your data center as an e-ink display made of old broken Kindles. And there, somebody got it. <laughs> Uh, so you load it up when you're ready to go. They don't care how long you have it there. You ship it back. Um, from a convo perspective, we just make a tweak, and what we just seeded is now in the cloud. So we can take petabyte scale move for what that would have taken weeks, if not months, and bring it down to days. The other piece is, and this is where some folks get into very a lot of trouble. So before, basically all the major vendors now have three tiers of storage. And all too often we see some, not all, say, I'm gonna go with the cheapest one without really classifying the data. And this reminds me of several years back when we went through the huge virtualization initiative. When these machines were physical, I had a particular SLA, I cared and I fed for it a certain way, I fed it a certain way, 
But once they're virtualized, we just said, oh, image level protection, treat them all the same. And a lot of things were, bad things were happening. They weren't being protected as frequently as they should be, or I was protecting them and they weren't really in a recoverable state. They were crash consistent. So we now have S3, S3IA, um, and Glacier. Um, so classify, classify, classify your data. And, and what I say that is how much am I sending? What are the frequencies of, of the recalls? And the size of, of the recalls. So, you know, a customer, one case story there is a customer, an admin, uh, it was a Convo customer, uh, decided to enable Glacier lifecycle policy against the Nest3 bucket. Basically ingested most of the data off. Turned out they needed to, and right, I think we're only talking about the 40 terabyte range. And if they wanted it back in an eight hour window, it would have been $82,000. Uh, they did, you know, there is some flexibility. If you give us a week to get it back here, um, we got the bill down, I think it was four or 8,000. But it's unforgiving if you don't classify that data. If you don't unclassify, if you classify, don't classify that data. Okay, simple, like I said there, uh, broad support for these cloud providers. Um, you know, the, uh, Amazon, S3IA, the Glacier, and, and we have robust reporting and audibility on that where we can show you how much you're consuming, how much you're saving by dedupe. Um, we can even give projections in terms of, hey, I can tell you at this rate of change, three months down the road, this is how much S3 storage you're going to be consuming. All right, so it was all that just to get up to the main topic of the session, which is DR time. Um, again, uh, how would you recover? My DR plan is a pile of tapes and hoping for the best. This is an actual quote from one of our customers before they embraced the cloud. Um, especially if you look at it from, you know, we have customers where uh, they had their primary secondary data center 12 miles apart. Right in between is a nuclear power plant. Not a great plan. Another customer, the primary data center is in Ireland. Their DR data center is in Bermuda. Um, not sure who made that decision. So anyway, uh, the first piece, and we talk about the transformation here, is where, you know, this is where it's going. Again, back to, back to that common thread there, what you have here, you're not going to have there. So what we're showing here is I'm doing a VM restore. But I can send that, obviously, we're going to highlight Amazon here, but um, Azure as well, or Hyper-V, being able to transform those workloads. Um, you know, it's containerizing that data. If you think about it, all it is is a bunch of disks, whether it be a VHD, VMDK, or an EBS volume, and it's a configuration file that says who it is and gives us everything we need to put it back together. Once we can capture that, we can move these workloads and uh, transform them. So I'm going to go, uh, right after this, I'm going to show a video of what this slide is talking about. Um, in, in a nutshell, what we are doing, showing here is I protect on site. I could be sending to my secondary data center. I could be sending to my cloud copy. Once I have it in the cloud, that's the only time we need anything running to do something with it. And this is where we are actually going to transform these VMware virtual machines into... Um, an EC2 instance. So, gonna switch here. Hopefully, this did not lock. And uh, there is no audio to this, but I am gonna walk through it. Did that come up? Yes, it did. 
All right, so basically all I'm showing here is I'm logged into my AWS web console. I have a single running instance up there. That's my data mover. That's the piece that's going to connect to that cloud storage and extract the data it needs to recover these machines and restore them as, uh, as an uh, EC2 instance. So what you're seeing here is I have three copies of my data. I have a snap, I have my local copy, and that third one down there, that's my cloud copy. That's the one, it makes the most sense, the one I'm going to be pulling from. So simply enough, as I showed from that earlier screenshot or the earlier slide, accounting department, trash the data center, and I need to bring everything back. In this case, I'm going to recover to Amazon. Here, I'm just saying, hey, I'm going to recover. I'm going to, I'm going to pull from that S3 bucket. And we are going to bring everyone back except accounting seven. All right, so again, I'm a bit of a geek, but this is where it gets interesting. We now see all the recovery options as things being in an AWS context. So we're seeing instance types. We're talking availability zones. Um, in a second, we'll see when we go into the network settings. So I set, I'm going to US East, I'm just doing a rename for no conflicts. I'm going to set my network uh, settings here. So anyway, I'm going to pick my network as well as my security groups. And lastly, after I select that, you'll see I have an option for an Amazon bucket in the bottom. I'm going to select that. So essentially what's going on there is we, that's our working directory. That's where we spit out that VHD, where we can then in turn leverage the AWS import APIs. And that is the same, you know, that's the same, how, how would I put it? That's how everyone does it. So you may, may have heard of server migration services that AWS announced a few weeks ago. Um, they, they're leveraging that same uh, flow there. And lastly, ta-da, obviously the magic of editing, the accounting department is happy again, and they are all running back up in um, AWS. Okay. All right, so I, obviously everything I just showed you, um, you can click and do it through the GUI, but as I said, and I'll touch on this later in the presentation, for any massive scale, you also need an orchestration engine that can do this at scale. Bring this up, validate this good, bring this, then validate. Uh, so as I said, now that I'm in the cloud, I don't need backup, right? This is kind of a very scary thing. When I was doing a review for not this reInvent, but the prior reInvent. I had a big slide, I had a review with the Amazon team, and it said, just because your data is in the cloud, it, it doesn't mean it's protected. And of course, their whole hair stood up. But the, the point being is that AWS is very strong, built on resiliency. So we look at S3 storage. I can have one copy, I can have three copies, I can have six copies. They're all replicated. The second one becomes compromised very quickly, I have six compromised copies. Um, 
We don't call them out by name, but my team keeps an internal collection of outages or failures in the public clouds. It's real. If they lose multiple critical components, you will lose data. And even in these alerts, AWS themselves says you should have a backup of this data. All right, so protection in cloud. So again, um, expect components to fail, design for it, don't wait for it to happen. Um, and again, corruption can happen. You may want to keep disparate copies of your data. So I think this is the last time I'm going to use the slide, but this, in my opinion, is the new world order. You're going to have one data center to at least an extent. You're probably going to have a secondary data center, even if it's limited, or at a minimum remote offices where you're storing that data. And then on top of that, all interlinked are going to have your cloud. So all of these speaking different languages, running different OSs, different hypervisors. It could be AWS. You may even have multiple cloud providers as part of your solution. It's not uncommon. I can't believe how many times I've heard is I want cloud provider A to be my primary and cloud provider B to be my, my secondary. And, and kind of think of it, there's a government publication out there. Best way to protect against failure in a cloud provider, have your data in an alternate cloud provider. All right, so again, so before we get down the road of, you know, how can we protect us, what should I be protecting? So when we're on-premise, we treat everything as pets, whether it be a VM or a physical machine. It gets sick, we nurse it back to health, or we have to bring it back to an earlier point in time. Um, if you're going greenfield, or as part of a migration, this new construct, um, things are in the cloud are built a, a bit differently. And what I mean by that is you have just small silos of the critical data. The rest of the infrastructure is scalable and it's, it, it, it's, it's destroyable. You don't need it. Um, you can easily redeploy it, um, so you don't need to protect it. And then you look at some of those data silos. You know, uh, how do you protect an S3 bucket? Well, we can do that. Maybe we can't understand what it is, but we can ingest that, give you a secondary copy of that data. And you also need to consider additional things um, that exist in the AWS cloud, such as relational databases. They don't exist on-premise. What do we do about those? All right, so going to get into a bit vendor-specific speak. Um, the bit of software that knows how to talk virtual and cloud providers is what we call uh, the virtual server agent. In a nutshell, it has the binaries where it knows how to speak AWS, it knows how to speak Azure, it knows how to speak VMware, and several other hypervisors. So what this allows us to do is we now can see everything in an AWS-specific context. So I'm sure all of you have backed up VMware. You go to do a discovery, you see a vCenter, you see resource pools, clusters, you see so on and so forth, data stores. So with AWS, we can now show you filter by region, we can discover by zone, we can set appropriate rules. Um, um, we also support tags where in turn we can, um, depending on, you know, basically the point bidding out there, we probably have a rule that will fit your, your needs. Okay, so that's showing what we can do with those EC2 instances. So now, what are the options for protecting EC2 instances? Um, so you can go into the console, you can right click, say, you know, create a snap, or you could try to scripting this yourself. We have a customer, large uh, 
financial institution out of Chicago who went down that route. In a nutshell, they were snapping all of their ABS instances. Uh, it turned out that they were getting no verification if the instance complete, the snap completed. They had no many, they had no idea how many they had. They weren't deleting them and they were replicating them to an alternate region. At the height of their crisis, they had 130,000 snaps in the western region. Their budget was double, they were paying per month double what they were budgeted for. They were paying a quarter million dollars a month to AWS. Uh, so anyway, what, what can we uh, do here? We have a few options. I can target this. Think of it almost as a hot, hot airware approach from VMware. I have one to many where we will target those instances, we'll snap them, we'll take their EBS snaps, mount them to myself, and then we will write those out to S3 storage for longer term retention. Um, take it a step further, as part of these snaps, we can actually integrate with some of the applications. So there's no concept of AWS tools for your virtual machine. So we have the bits in there where we can say, manage your logs, bring yourself consistent, I have a consistent snap. Uh, the other piece is where they may just want to have a quick recovery snap. I don't want to write it off. This is my quick recovery copy. I have uh, the data protected elsewhere. Just that if this gets corrupt, I want to flip him back to an earlier point of time. Last bit is, again, uh, where we can directly target RDS. Uh, so RDS doesn't have the, you know, since it's not an, it's, it's kind of like a database without an OS, so we can't install an agent in it, but what Amazon does allow us to do is consistently snap these databases, and then I have the ability to replicate those databases to an alternate region. At this time, the construct does not allow for long-term retention in the sense that it doesn't allow us to mount that and write it off to S3. So I just showed you a whole bunch of things and, and why are there so many ways? And the, the real key here is using the right tool for their job. So you know, the way I like to see it is that the instance isn't important um, or the VM isn't important. It's the data and the application residing within that that is important. So yeah, I have that I, um, image level uh, instance protection like Hotend. I can do that with agent and guest. And agent and guest, some like to call it legacy, but it's really not if it meets the needs of the application. So it's cloud intelligent agent and guests, where it's an agent running on a Linux-based Oracle VM, not Linux, but yeah, Linux-based VM with Oracle instance, where it brings itself quiet. It quiets, it's, it's, uh, it does its log management, then it calls up an AWS and says, snap me, then write me to S3. And then again, databases and servers, what I just spoke to. And then, of course, just snap only engine. Okay, so last video is we're going to show how we integrate within cloud. All right, first thing, uh, is that up? No, it's not up. Bear with me there. All right, so let me explain what's happening here. We're gonna set up a sub-client. Essentially, we're gonna set up a protection job. And what we're gonna do here, I'm gonna name it what I want. 
and then I'm going to specify my content. So like I showed you before with those screenshots, we could do it. We could do browse, but let's get a little bit more creative. I'm going to put in a wildcard. So any VMs that start with this, PM dash, or any instances, and any one that has a tag of gold. All right, fair enough. So we set our gold tag. All right, so just to show those are the, the, the instance that I'm going to be targeting here. All right, so I have my content set. It's auto discovery rules. So again, going back to that scalable where you set up some broad rules as stuff comes and goes, we'll detect it, apply the appropriate SLA. So, like I said, concurrency is king. And we are now going to kick this off. So, again, what's going on under the covers here is that VSA or virtual server agent is going out and discovering those VMs. Once it finds them, it is going to create EBS snaps of those, mount those to itself, and then write that off to its attached S3 bucket. Um, which we, we do support VPC endpoints and none of that nonsense of routing out to the internet. So this is behind the scenes. You can see the snaps being created as we write those off. And of course, I'm going to kill one of them. And then we show that, hey, maybe I can actually bring that back. So by default, we will recover something exactly where we found it. So you don't need to make all those different region changes or networking changes unless you want to. And we're just going to say power on. Let that complete, magic of editing. And there you see he's back and happy. Okay, at this point, I'm going to hand it off to Sean, and he's going to share how uh, Dow Jones has embraced AWS and been assisted with Commvault along the way. Hi, good to see you all. Hope you're having a good reInvent. I was stuck in an amazing traffic jam, and it was a people traffic jam. Coming after, you know, I say a good 15 minutes of my life, I will not get back. But it is exciting to see that so many people are out um, seeing sessions. So I work for Dow Jones, um, which is a of News Corp, North America. Um, I'm head of infrastructure and cloud, so I'm responsible for, I like to think of it as uh, both the fun stuff and the less fun stuff. I own our data centers, I own our storage teams, our networking teams. The fun part, I own the cloud consoles. So I have the DevOps teams, and we're constantly looking at how we take our teams and sort of move them into operating in the cloud. Um, just a little background on Dow Jones and News Corp, so you know what we do. Everyone's heard of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. We actually don't do that anymore. We do a bunch of other cool things. Um, number one, we publish the Wall Street Journal. That's probably our flagship publication, about a million digital subscribers, a whole bunch of print subscribers. You'll see it in your hotel room if you don't already get a copy at home. Um, but we do more than that. Um, we have a bunch of B2B applications. Factiva, some of you may have used it, application that ingests almost 500,000 articles a day, 33,000 sources of information, and it goes and pushes that data out to banks, consulting companies, anyone who needs to know what's happening in the world in a very systematic way. Traders use to get information on the market. 
these are very different types of products, and they have very different needs, both from an infrastructure perspective as well as from a data protection perspective. Something like the journal cannot go down. Right? We have to have active-active, multi-region support. It's just not an option. Right? The news can't stop. And our B2B clients, they won't accept outages. They want to see not just our ability to be up effectively 100% of the time. They want to see our DR approach. They want to see our test results. They want to know what providers you use. So we have this interesting interplay. And of course, we have our internal apps that we have to support, and our users need pretty good consistency as well. Dow Jones is a bit unique for, I'll say, an older enterprise. We're about 125 years old. So the opposite of the many startups I'm sure are represented here. However, back in 2014, our parent News Corp said, at the time, it was a pretty audacious goal. Move 75% of your compute to the public cloud. Nowadays, that doesn't sound quite as crazy. I mean, some people still think it's crazy, but it's, it's really not, I would say. Back then, it was a bit crazy, right? It was considered very cutting edge. Are you going to save money? Are you going to lose money? Are you going to have reliability? By the way, this was not 75% of our digital apps. This was 75% of all computational power. At the time, DJ was running on about 10,000 instances, mixed of physical and virtual. Not huge, not like a large bank, but not 100 instances we had to move. And part of this goal was to go from 50 data centers globally for News Corp down to six, and the other piece was to save a bunch of money. The goals I didn't list on this page, right, which were probably equally important and actually ended up mattering a lot more, were to bring agility to the development teams. General concept, move to the cloud, build fast, We'll be able to compete with all those startups like the Huffington Post and BuzzFeed and build cool, innovative new things. How did it go? Pretty well, not perfect. Dow Jones is about 58% in the public cloud. Pretty good story, pretty happy with it. Didn't quite hit the goal, still striving toward it. We saw in the last 12 months alone a 400% increase in our number of AWS instances. We're just under 5,000 or so right now for Dow Jones. And more than that, we've seen some interesting results. Our power levels in our data centers, the few that we have left, we're at below 2005 levels. That means we're sucking as much power as we did 11 years ago. That's the real savings. We're also throwing away and recycling so many servers. In the last 12 months, 2,200 physical machines went away. So that's real results, right? It's not just building new things in the cloud. It's getting rid of the old stuff. What does not work so well? Well, part of why I'm here talking about DR and Commvault and AWS is this metric we were driven to, which turned into more of a, a cultural imperative for us, was around compute. So I talk about all the servers that have moved. We have about five petabytes on the floor um, in our data centers. We still have about five petabytes on the floor. Not a lot of storage shifted, right? We do have a good amount of storage for those applications in Amazon, but there's a huge chunk left behind. What takes that up? Some of it is those B2B workloads, that Factiva application I mentioned, 1.2 billion documents resident, growing every day. Um, backups. Right? I'll talk a bit about that in the challenge there. So we started looking for an answer. Right? How could we start to shift some of that data, and how could we build a better disaster recovery story? So I'll tell you a bit about the challenges, how Commvault and Amazon helped us prepare, start that migration. We're not done with it, but we're already realizing a lot of the benefits, and of course, what our future view is. So let's start with our legacy DR operation. And I'm talking a bit about on-premise. This also applies to cloud. You think it wouldn't, but it does. First on-premise, 30,000 plus tapes floating around. That is an ungodly number of tapes. I mean, you can't keep track of them. When we dispose of them, it, literally, I can't tell you how many heads we're eating up just handling them. Poor ROI. We don't get you know, anything back from these things. And when we do have a failure, we're calling out to Iron Mountain and having them ship tapes back to us. Do they have a great SLA? Sure. Is it an SLA that works in a cloud world? No, right? What if that truck gets stuck behind an accident? Well, you're screwed for another three hours, right? That was not good. 
the offsite storage costs, right? We are killing 2200 servers, we're still buying on-premise storage. Doesn't sync up, doesn't make sense. And while we do have a backup DR data center that we still use, we still maintain, it doesn't run any of our active active applications anymore. They're all off in the cloud. It's really just running backup and for legacy apps. That's not a great investment in money. That DR data center is about 30 miles away from our primary data center in New Jersey. Yeah, hope there's another Hurricane Sandy or I'll probably be out of a job, right? So that is not optimal. Do I want to go and build a new data center 100 miles away? That's not really the business we're in anymore. We're getting out of that business very quickly. So that was a set of challenges that you know, we feel every day. The other piece was our tier two and tier three applications. In the old world, you could not afford to build DR for them. It wasn't worth it. In the new world, we think it shouldn't be that expensive anymore. And even though we have amazing active-active for our publishing systems, we didn't for the application the journalists used to create graphics. But you can't print the paper without graphics, so I guess we didn't really have it covered. So we started to feel that stress and that pressure and that's where Commvault came in with Amazon and, and gave us some good ideas and help. First, we started to talk about four use cases. The first was, how do we start backing up and archiving to S3 and S3IA? We don't want to use tapes anymore. We want to start going with that. Second, how can we use this for DR? How can we actually recover? Where can we recover? Um, the third is, all of these instances I have left, I've gone through a couple migration cycles. We still have another roughly 5,000 boxes to move. Can Commvault help with that, right? Are there options around, if I'm backing it up to the cloud, can I potentially recover it there? You just saw a nice little demo, right? And last, and perhaps the most important in the long term, is backup and recovery of Amazon instances. So we do have stateful applications in the cloud. Yes, our top, our top cloud native applications are stateless, very easy to protect, but many, 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 I would say well over 50% of our servers are stateful at this point in the cloud. Snapshots may not make sense. They may not be good enough by themselves. Snapshot management is an issue. So we started looking at that and what that resulted in. Well, first, we bought our first 100 terabytes of Commvault, and nothing is ever as easy as we think it is in planning, but it went pretty well. Um, we started initially staging to disk on-premise and then replicating that disk out to S3. Why? Because we didn't have direct connect in. Even with 4,000 instances plus, and we hit 5,000 over the course of the journey, we didn't feel a need for Direct Connect. Most of our applications were not calling back to the data center. Now we start to move these heavy legacy apps. We started to feel it. We had orders in for two 10 gig links. Commvault exposed that you know, challenge first. I said, can I back up straight to S3? Yeah, if you want to saturate your links every afternoon, right? Your internet links every afternoon. We don't want to do that. So what we've done is now that Direct Connect's come in, we've started sending backups directly to S3. That's been pretty good progression. We're looking at using S3IA. That comes to the next one. We didn't properly tier our backups. Yeah, they gave us the advice to do it, but we didn't really do it. We said, can we just dump everything in S3IA, save a few dollars, right? The exact lesson that you heard about from John took us a, a couple months to learn. So we're starting to tier our backups, look at how frequently they get pulled back, what's commonly pulled back. There are a lot of backups we make that never get touched. Let's dump those straight to Glacier, right? So we're working through that, and we started deploying our first backup agents instances actually running in the cloud. So this is not just about getting rid of tapes, but now it's bringing resiliency to our applications in the cloud. We started actually with that second, um, that first slide John showed, we talked about data security being a concern. We have a couple PCI apps we're deploying to the cloud. Yeah, everything's going, right? For those PCI apps, we wanted to have a really secure solution. We needed encryption. We wanted to make sure we could tightly manage where those backups are going. So we are using Commvault as our new standard solution going forward for stateful applications. We decided to pick the hardest ones first because it seemed like a good idea. Um, what's left to figure out is this migration potential. So it's pretty easy to do that little wizard that, that John showed, but we're still sorting through 
How will we update security groups if we actually migrate an application with Commvault? How will we deal with IP address changes, right? But we're working through that right now. And I think what we're most excited about is really getting a full continuity plan so that instead of just backing up applications that we have been historically backing up to tapes, are there new applications we start backing up that we haven't? Can we actually really improve our resiliency footprint? And the outcome I'm looking for, it's not just getting rid of those 30,000 tapes, it's shutting down that secondary data center. That will be one of the next big milestones in us saving a heck of a lot of effort and cost. No one's going to have to drive 30 miles to a data center that will probably be flooded by the hurricane anyway. So that's our story. Um, I'll be happy to take questions at the end. Otherwise, I think John's going to talk a bit about the vision. Great, thank you. Okay, uh, just a bit real, just a couple more slides and then we'll do, do the giveaway. Um, typically, we start with the Commvault vision. And um, why we have this at the end is after we show you about the tech, the why, what's out there, what you need, it's a little bit easier to tell that whole vision story. So in, in a nutshell, there's tons of great tools out there that do some narrow things very well. Unfortunately, you're going to need several of these tools. So we just like to, you know, our vision is, in a sense, the power of the platform. Whether I have VMware here, some Hyper-V here, Hawaii Fusion Sphere here, or I'm doing AWS or Azure or others, um, you need one ring to rule them all. And, and again, um, these platforms, hypervisors, are all different in some way. And then, you know, whether it be on-premise or physical workloads, many different OS types, many different application types. Um, but the key bit is, is that you, you, all of this tech is great, but you need the policy-driven automation to really make it work. And what I mean by that is, like I said, it and forget it. As things come and go, they're discovered, they're either protected, assigned to a certain SLA, or we discard them, and it's at a scheduled basis, and the same applies to a DR plan. You know, as we move these to the far side and we're recovering them, we'll automatically fold in or exclude these workloads to your DR plan. So it's a lot less scripting, it's a lot less effort, and at the end of the day, cannot hammer it home. The virtual machine or the EC2 instance isn't important, or the RDS, Snap isn't important, it's that the applications and the data that reside within those. So again, real quickly on the takeaways, um, just rehashing what I said at the beginning. Consider the multiple sources as you begin your DR plan. Always keep that plan current. You know, know what is going where, bringing up those key bits first, test and know it works. And again, DR doesn't need to be an annual event. It can be small pockets of testing throughout the year. Not that horrible, honey, I won't see you all weekend. I'm going to this facility. So we're going to open up the questions. Um, uh, first, I guess we probably should get it out of the way, do the, uh, the, uh, the giveaway. So, uh, and then we'll open up for questions. So while they're doing that, thank you very much for your time. And please remember to keep your evaluations. We would like to know how to continue making these sessions even better. Thank you.